0: This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider.
1: DJ
0: Spider. That's right, this podcast is brought to you by BeatSource. BeatSource is the new digital music service for open format DJs. Get on there and explore all of the amazing music, curated playlists, and all the things we've got going on over there. BeatSource Link is in effect, and it's life changing. I'm telling you, you can stream the music onto your hardware or software and it's just really game changing it's amazing it's an amazing way to be able to play all different styles and um, explore new things and we've got our curators on the ball at all times feeding you with the best playlists you can get in the business so get on there beatsource.com hit us up and uh, get a trial sign up do your thing thank you guys for listening thank you guys for tuning in thank you to all the beat sorcerers everybody that is part of this community i appreciate you keep in touch hit me on instagram dj spider dj S P I am on twitch as well same thing dj S P I D E R. I i hope to see you on there and today i am so excited to share today's show with you fresh off rocking Wembley Stadium as the official resident DJ for the Euro 2020 and making global headlines in the process he played eight massive games during that um, series right and there was one key moment that really set things off and we talk a lot about it on this episode Uh, It was when he decided to play Sweet Caroline at the perfect time and create a priceless moment that won't be forgotten. Even Neil Diamond himself seemed to be in awe of it. I saw him get interviewed. Apart from that, um, which is a huge part of it, I mean, this story is incredible. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But apart from that, he's just released his debut single to much acclaim. He's getting support Uh, by the likes of Tiesto, Fatboy Slim, and the story behind this song is amazing too. Um, He made a mashup, played it on a radio show, which he had gotten this radio show by just doing his Twitch stream. So all of this stuff is connected. I think you guys are going to get a kick out of it. And now this song is blowing up, his debut song. Um, And it was just a mashup, and a record label took it and turned it into a real thing. you got to hear the whole story. Super interesting, really amazing. Um, He's one of the premier stadium and sports DJs in Europe. He plays for football, or as we call it here, soccer. Um, He plays the Major League Baseball events. When they're out there in the UK, the NFL events, rugby events, uh, way more than that. He also rocks corporate parties, festivals, nightclubs, New Year's Eve gigs at the Burge in Dubai, so much stuff way beyond. His father is also a DJ, uh, which is a super interesting story and adds so much cool stuff to this. And above all else, he just seems like a great person who's really bringing positivity, good vibes, and great DJing and music everywhere he goes so i absolutely love getting to know him and i think you guys will too please welcome tony perry to the show we are here it's the 20 podcast we have got dj tony perry on the show give it up oh the crap that's that crowd is nothing compared to the stadiums that he dj's in
1: (laughs) yo tony how are you man I'm so good. It's an honor to be speaking with you. Apologies for the longest. And yeah, it's a pleasure. You're on my laptop. Crazy. (laughs) I am. I'm on your laptop.
0: We're connecting from Los Angeles to London right now, which is the beauty of all of this technology. And one of the silver linings of the pandemic, I guess, is, you know, being able to connect like this. But yeah, man, thank you. Thanks for following and thanks for listening to the show and all that. And um yeah, it's an honor to have you here too, man. You, you really work so hard at what you do and have put in so much work. And to see what has happened over the past couple months um, with your career has just been so fun to watch. So I,
1: I'm excited to talk to you about it. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a crazy time. And, and here we are. It's got so good. This is one of my highlights. Spider is here with me having a chat. Amazing.
0: Yes. Well, I'm excited too. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, and, like, yeah, like, you know, for people that that don't know you, um, you are one of the premier stadium DJs as well as other things. I know you do clubs. I know you do festivals. I know you do anything, private events, all types of cool things, and New Year's Eve in Dubai, and, you know, we'll talk about all that. Um, but right now, you're really coming off this huge run of gigs that you've been doing for the Euros, uh, the Euro 2020, even though it's 2021, but that keeps getting confusing, but um, <clears throat> where you did uh, eight eight gigs for them, and um, then you had this magical moment uh, where you played Sweet Caroline, and that just sort of blasted everything off from there, right? I mean, you were on all types of news stations, the New York Times, and... Um, and all that stuff i mean can you talk about that i'm sure we could talk about it forever like what what was that like for you how did that start you know um and how did you i don't even know where to go with it there's like so much you know involved
1: yeah it's, in it. it's been it's been a it's been like a whirlwind couple of months so right. the, the tournament itself was one month and the backstory is that if, if anyone's not too much into soccer you have the, the the European Championships come around every four years. We were delayed by a year because of COVID. And it's a huge deal. Other than the Soccer World Cup, it's like the, the big tournament. Right. Um, but for the longest time, we didn't think it was going to happen. Then it did. And then, because um, it's the 60th anniversary of the tournament, it was scaled to, I think it was 13 host cities, which is really unusual. But um, because of COVID, Wembley actually got extra games. So where I thought I was going to lose out, I ended up playing eight games at Wembley stadium live to the bowl. And I was literally DJing pretty much, you know, right on the cusp of the pitch. So it was surreal. And the, the capacities were limited at the start and they scaled up through the course of the tournament. Right. You know, I got to know everybody. I, I knew by the end of the tournament, I knew the groundsmen, the guys that installed the speakers, like I became part of this family working with a wicked team. We, you know, we had a TV audience accumulated of over a billion through the tournament hearing us and, the the Sweet Caroline phenomenon that happened, which I'll go into detail about, it became such a thing that the international TV broadcasters, not only from the UK, but from Italy, from wherever, they're like, what time's Tony playing Sweet Caroline? What's going on? It became this like, I was like, what? Like, I've been DJing 20 years, and they're just going to know me for Sweet Caroline now. So why not? It's (laughs) crazy. That's incredible. I know. I
0: I mean, isn't that a lot of things where you've been putting in the work for so long, and then someone will get to know you for, like, one thing, and you're like, I have so much more to it, Um, but that is so incredible, and it's cool to hear, like you said, you become a family with everybody working there. It's a team effort, you know, and um, I know that's a play on words because you're DJing for teams, but it's what I've talked to other sports DJs that it takes a lot to put on these productions, and as the DJ, you know, yes, people look at you, you're up there, but you're really working with all these people so it's cool to hear that you know like you became friends with the groundskeepers everyone um and just such an experience to be right down there on the pitch and just feeling the energy and seeing what's going on and then to be able to connect with the crowd like that through music
1: uh it's just so incredible it, it really was it was something that was kind of beyond you know i'm, I'm a massive sports fan massive soccer fan and I was, I was like, you know, we were having a chat before. I've been obsessed with DJing since I was so young, and I think sometimes, you know, when you've been DJing for that long, you do become a bit of a chameleon. I know you've played such a variety of gigs, yeah. But because you have abilities, you can go into like, you know, I want to go and play, you know, a proper hip hop club. I can do that, but then I can play a house event. But yeah, with the football and the music, it was like such a genuine love, and that's why I think it just kind of went berserk. Like it was it's, even, even my friends are like, bro, what, what's going on? Like, how is this? You know, we did nearly 50 interviews with the press, like for me as a little, you know, relatively no one to get in the New York times, like what, how, how did that happen? So I yeah, the energy it. of the tournament and I, I can, I can share details on like, you know, what goes into it and you know, how you get to that stage with, with sports. It, I, I've, I've seen a lot of your podcasts and Rouché and people like that. Yeah. And um, in the UK and Europe, we're kind of playing catch up with you guys in the States because Commercially, the powers of music and a DJ, especially the sport, are only just about to come to the fore. Right. And I think that things are really going to change because, you know, I, for people that don't know, I, I played Sweet Caroline after the England team beat Germany, the England soccer team. Right. The England soccer team had, hadn't beat Germany since 1966 in a competitive game. And there's this whole like romantic backstory almost because England's coach... Missed the penalty kick against Germany 20 or so years ago. So oh, there's wow. all these like kind of ghosts that were put to rest. And after England won, the stadium was like absolutely rocking. We got to 60,000 fans for the first time since COVID. And um, we played our national anthem almost is called Three Lions because our badge is Three Lions. And right. we played that and the team were going berserk. And then normally after that, you play a song called Vindaloo which is it sounds bizarre, but Vindaloo is a marching band kind of song from the 90s that the England fans sing. I was like, you know what? I think we should play Sweet Caroline because the energy of the track and without being, it's not rocket science, but, you know, reaching out, touching hands, and it's a feel-good song. We played it, and the funny thing was I was actually in the tunnel at Wembley at that time because my booth could move from the side of the pitch or into the tunnel, and after the game, they kept me in the tunnel. Got it. And I'm playing Sweet Caroline, and everyone's going, I can hear it, but I can't see it. And all the players were singing it. Um, in the interviews after the game, the England coach was like, oh, sweet Caroline, what a belter. And it's like the power of music is phenomenal. And the power of a DJ, not just for me, but for all of us DJs in that position, is something that's just incredible. You, could, you, you can impact the mood of a nation with what you do. So don't ever let uh, anybody say to, to you, oh, it's just pressing buttons. It's so much more than that. That.
0: Is so cool to hear and you just put it in such a great way and it's so inspirational. Um, and it's it's something that's been shown time and time again through the pandemic with people like D-Nice where he can DJ on the internet and connect the entire world and now is selling out the Hollywood Bowl. And just like you just said, you can play this and really connect people through the power of the sonics of the music, the lyrics and all of that stuff and... It's just, um, oh, man, it's just so cool to hear that, you know, and, and I, th- I love the way that you personally approach DJing, too, because I did check out some of your radio shows and some of your other, you know, the song that you have out now that which I want to talk about a little bit later. And I think that you're very good at um, putting a positive message out there, but also speaking with the music in a way where how a lot of, you know, turntablism and stuff where speaking with your hands, but you also are thoughtful about the vibe of the sound and the lyrics and all of that stuff on your radio show is very, like, uplifting and positive-sounding um, songs. And even when you did an 80s mix that I know you put out and you did, like, you know, based on a lot of your dad's records and stuff like that, the songs that you picked were these fun, uplifting, positive things. And I think... um You know, that that plays a lot into it, too. And and I think that you like you said, you're a a fan of sports, a fan of DJing, and it all came together in this perfect way. It was almost like your your preparation met the opportunity
1: and it created this explosion of just things that were meant to happen. that's literally, I think you put it in such a good way. Like for all of us with whatever gigs you're doing, sometimes you've been preparing it as DJs. You've been preparing something for maybe your whole life. Yes. Like without even re- realizing it. So there's some guys that are like battle DJs and they have their like eight mile moment in a battle and they crush it. Uh, and you know, there's there's people who tour and they're born to tour. I'm not saying I was born to do the sports thing. It's just a natural thing because right. my dad was a DJ and um, he collected records and he had a playlist for like, you could be like, dad, I've, I've got a bit of a, an upset stomach and it's a Tuesday afternoon. He's like, I've got a playlist for that. Or you could be like, I've got my mates. Ca-. He's he's so diverse with his music and that's rubbed off on, on me. And I used to make cassettes in the nineties before the team I support would play a big game. And yeah. I just played the cassettes around the house. So I had no intention then of being, I didn't. there wasn't DJs at Wembley in that time. So right. it just kind of happened. And I, I think that the Wembley thing went the way it did because I was a fan and I was a DJ. It was, felt like everyone was behind the decks because my friends were messaging, the fans were messaging. And I'm not, you know, in the UK, like I've been DJing a long time, but I'm not, by no way am I a household name or anything like that. But it got so surreal and everything was so organic that at one of the games, I remember a steward calling me over. He's like, Tony, come over here. He's like, he knows my name. And he showed me his pass. And in his pass, there was a, a card that his 10-year-old daughter had drawn that said, good luck, Tony, at the football. This was after all of the press that had gone into everything. So I was like, this is some serious movement. And I think, um, like you said, the, the likes of D-Nice catching his moment and he became, I've watched him so, I watched him at the Super Bowl. I saw he DJed at that too. Yeah. It was just one of those things that the timing was right and it happened. And I think perhaps what I'm most pleased about is that, especially for us UK DJs and Europeans, it's an example of the role we can play. In sports events so for all of us there's a lot to come I think definitely
0: yeah I know and and it's interesting that the sporting DJ thing is just becoming a thing in the UK now because I feel like DJing and DJ culture has always been so strong out there and you guys have always had a respect even more of an open-mindedness towards music and um a respect for DJs and DJs being everywhere. I remember going to London when I was young and thinking, "Wow, there's DJs everywhere, and they're incredible, and they're playing all kinds of music." We don't even have this much, you know, where I live in Los Angeles or going to New York. Um, so it's interesting that it's just starting to catch on with the sports um, DJing. But I, I mean, after I think you know you you're paving the way in a way. And like you said, you may not have been a household name before, but now you've got 10 year old girls writing a card to you for, uh, that's, that's a huge deal. And I think you're probably going to inspire a lot of people. And to hear about that, that stuff about your dad, that's also so cool to hear. I mean, as a, a father myself of an eight year old kid and a DJ dad, um, that's amazing, you know, because I think to myself, you know what's it like for my son like how much do i show him how much do i not show him how much do i try to get him into djing and is he hearing all this music do i need to worry about influencing him and and i'm the same way i'm like i got songs for this i got songs for that and so it's so cool to hear uh your perspective of it and someone that's grown up with a a dj dad i want to learn a lot more about that that's so cool
1: yeah, I've got got respect to Pops because he's uh he's a crate digger. He used to uh in, in the eighties he'd go into Soho in London yeah. and he'd buy import records and wow. he used to he lived in he lived on top of a banqueting suite that his parents owned because they work in the events world, which I'll come to because I think that's contributed to the DJ thing that's going on. Yes. But yeah, my dad was like to his dad, can I use the banqueting hall to throw my own parties on Friday nights? Wow. And he's got the most stacked record collection, and then when me and my little sister were born some of his friends had emigrated to cyprus where some of our interest is from mm-hmm. so my dad would record these cassette tapes every couple of weeks with the latest tracks here from the uk and get me and my sister to talk and we were only like five or six years old and send them out to cyprus to kind of as like this is the music going on back home and i think without realizing it you know as a dj dad you're not even your, your son or your daughter wouldn't even be aware of the influence you're having on them but it's right. massive! What a great thing you're, you're, you're teaching them a whole other language, and certainly without the influence of my dad, I definitely wouldn't have been able to DJ for, for this long now. So yeah, salute to pops.
0: That's amazing. It, and and did your dad does
1: he DJ still or what, what did he go into? He he's a he's an event planner. So the, oh, my okay. my family's background is th- they they're quite big in the wedding world. Mm-hmm. So I've also grown up having to work and observe the events industry which I think as a DJ, it helps you with your people skills. Yeah. Um, and you get to learn about show calling and how to conduct yourself in certain public and you get to meet different cultures. And I think that's another reason why I've been able, because I've, I've got a bit of like a, we call it like a licorice all sorts bag, like different flavors of, of the kind of DJ gigs I do because they're really bizarre. Like one day I'll be wearing like a, you know, a tracksuit and a snapback and the next day I'm doing a black tie thing. Right, and that's, that's because I, of, I can relate 100%. I, I see what you do, yeah, 100%. So yeah, that's kind of come about from that. But yeah, the, the football thing again—it was just like uh, he's a part of that journey too because he's a—he's a massive sports fan. But to a lot of people ask, like, how do you how did you get into that kind of role here in Europe? Because you rightly said that um, it hasn't caught on so much here yet, and right. I think the main reason is because the, the premier sports we were talking about before—you've got soccer, what we call football, and and rugby—and the culture of that is that they're, they're ninety minutes or eighty minutes. Soccer's ninety rugby's 80 and the fans will come from the pub sounding very stereotypical but they would they'd come from the pub after their pint of beer yeah and get into the ground five minutes before the games would start but commercially now things are changing mm-hmm. and the cultures especially of soccer have changed and i i became aware of what could happen because i actually dj'd for the nfl and the mlb when they visit the uk right and i saw that i'm like guys there's tailgate parties these people it's so like 8 a.m. and they're here partying already before a game. Yep. So this is a whole, there's a DJ there, there's a DJ there. And it, it's definitely going to start catching on here now. I think that um, there's a couple of soccer teams that have got DJs and it works well. And I think that the, the organisations will start to see the DJ, not just someone, they're like, you just press play. You're like a cheerleader, right? So yeah. if you play a right song at a right time, you've got the ability to change the energy in the stadium. So... At the Euros, there was a moment where there was a lot of nervous energy in the ground, and uh, I just thought I'm going to play a gala freed from desire, which you know, I'm sure most people know. is like a big, chanty song, and where everyone was literally biting their nails, I looked around, and the stands were physically bouncing, and that energy from the 60,000 feeds directly into the players, and they're like, instead of being like, oh, God, they become pumped. So it's definitely something that's going to grow and grow and have more of a role in soccer for the next 10 years, 100%.
0: That is so amazing to hear and it's so true like you're there you make that decision to play that song it goes into the fans it that goes into the players it just affects everything and um and like you said yes here it's crazy like July 4th <clears throat> excuse me I went to um the LA Galaxy uh soccer football game I took my son like I said he's super into uh soccer as well and he's at soccer camp right the second but we went so july 4th i I did a gig in the daytime and then bought us tickets to go to the la galaxy game and i had never been on july 4th to one of those games and i thought we were getting there early we were two hours early nowhere to park people everywhere partying tailgating like you said djs in the parking lots people have their own DJ setups in a truck it's insane, you know, and then once you get in, it's party time. You know, they have a uh, Vic One who I had on this podcast too. You you should listen to that one. Uh, it was really good. He's he's amazing. He does he DJs for LA Galaxy, the hockey teams, the football team, the Chargers, like all the sports teams here. It's crazy. And he had some really good insight into all that. But it was so cool to then walk in, listen to him, hear how he was controlling the game and um and work with, we have, like, these crowds at the LA Galaxy and at the LAFC games. They have one side of the stadium of people that just chant the whole time and, like, sing and wear all the clothes, and they're, like, the super fans. (laughs) Um,
1: The the ultras, we call them, yeah, they're, like they're just there and you're like what have you been drinking you can go all day like you're amazing. oh my
0: god they're amazing <laughs> i was saying i was like what happens when they go home do they just like sit down like all right now i'm just mellow like do they ever <laughs> they were so crazy they do. no they
1: yeah just- i think well, they've got to watch it at the ground because they'll smash their tv for the opposition score a goal <laughs> they're like that passionate yes but it's true i think that you're right because you can see that's already part of the culture in the u.s because we've seen it with your other sports yeah but in the uk it's going to start to become a thing. And yeah, I think the first time I saw that, because we've had the NFL over here for several, several years. Right. And uh, I I managed to DJ. uh, It was a Titans Chargers game at Wembley and there was 87,000 there. Oh, wow. And that was the first time I DJed to the bowl. And I was like, oh my God, like what an opportunity that you've got here to impact the game. at That game, because in Europe, when the NFL come over, there are a lot of European fans as well. Mm -hmm. So I was playing like, you know, I I was playing like a bit of Jay-Z, then a bit of Ed Sheeran, then Queen, then like, you know, some chili peppers. And and that worked. And that was a great thing as like a almost like a a mini halftime show. Yeah. But with the soccer, it's different because the chanting is such a big part, like you just pointed out. Right. So you become a cheerleader. And what they did in Euro 2020, um, the team positioned me so I was visible. Because I was uh, brand activating for a sponsor of the tournament as well, okay. but that also meant that they'd put you on the big screen, the fans could see you, and that's why it was just like normally you don't see the dj in, in British sports, but now you can and I think for, I hope for all of us and I hope like my friends in Manchester or in birmingham they're going to have djs within the next couple of years for their sports teams too um, but yeah it's been the the, the way in which I, I didn't finish earlier, but the way in which i I got into it is an interesting one as well, just as in terms of... Yeah, I'd love people. to know. Yeah, how did this even begin? Yeah, so basically, one of the things that I think we need to do more of here, especially in UK, is is competitions. Because uh, when I was 17, we we used to have a youth DMC uh, championships. Mm-hmm. And there were like, this was in like the 2000s. So before the internet was really blowing up. Right. And I, I was fortunate enough to, to win one of those as a teenager. And it gave me a lot of opportunities. Um, then my studies took over and I came back to DJing and DJ city actually put on a competition with a DJ over here called Mr. Jam. Yeah. And I was lucky to win that competition. Oh, amazing. From that, I got, so I was super lucky. It kind of gave me a second chance. This is what, which contest was that? Now. I feel like I remember it, but <laughs> so it was called, I think it was, I don't know if it was called the speaker box DJ city competition and it was all me and they're all my friends. Now all my guys have got a great community over here, especially in, in, in England as well. Yeah. And, um, the prize was to to put you on a stage with Mr. Jam, who was, you know, I was a bedroom DJ pretty much at that time. And that was a great opportunity from there. A hip hop brand knocks on my door and says, shouts to super duper flyer. They say, come and DJ for us. So, you, you know what it's like, you put everything into it. Like you're working the graveyard shift at the sets. I'm playing in a basement. I'm having to drive an hour and a half to get to the gig, but you keep doing it. And eventually they got booked for a ski festival in France and uh, Emily, who's like an incredible DJ, she's co-owner of the brand. She couldn't go. So they are like, you know what? You've been DJing for us for six months. Let's send you to the ski festival. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I'm DJing at a ski festival. There's all these brands at the ski festival when I turn up. Like, Be for Rocks is a huge brand. And uh, there was the guys from um, Propaganda, all these big UK brands. One's House and, and Hip Hop, One's Rock and all this kind of stuff. And they all ended up in a bar that I was DJing at at the end of the ski festival. And I thought nothing of it. They all took my card. Yeah. One of them happened to be doing a, a, a new job with England Rugby. And the England Rugby team, I started DJing for them. Ironically, whilst I was DJing for them, I played, um, do you know the song, uh, Drop the Pressure by Milo? Yeah, of course. Uh, Mama Jumma's going to drop the pressure. Like the, yeah. You know the song. So I played that at a sports gig, right? And I'm like, oh my God, it's saying, I don't know if we can swear, but it's saying. Yeah, you could swear. Motherf-. Yeah, it's like, Motherfucker's yeah. Gonna drop the pressure. Motherfucker's going to
0: drop the pressure.
1: So I'm playing it, and it says radio edit, and I'm like, you know, even this is the radio edit. There's going to be people like you're just saying motherfucker a hundred times in three minutes, right? <laughs> and it and loops on that one part, motherfucker, motherfucker, motherfucker. <laughs> just in case you didn't hear what I say, motherfucker, motherfucker. <laughs> so it was literally doing that, and oh this was God. in the fan village outside Twickenham. Twickenham holds like ninety thousand as well, yeah. And there's loads of people there, and the event producer, it's only like my second time playing, he comes to me and he's like is this the radio edit? And I'm like, oh my God, like my sports career is over before it finished. And I said, yeah, yes, yeah, the radio edit. And he's a really good friend of mine now. Shouts to Rich. He took my card and I thought he took my card to be like, never book this idiot again. He just said <laughs> motherfucker a hundred times, right? <laughs> and then oh, I, I just it. didn't think anything of it. I was like, that was a great ride. And then he emails me out of the blue and like, I've got a gig for you at Wembley. Like we thought you were great. I was like, really? I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> um, and yeah, it kind of, it kind of went from there, and then the n f l wow. came over I got that we had the Yankees and the Red Sox over in Europe for the first time ever in two thousand and nineteen uh, and i djed uh, at that event as well and i've just I've gained the experience over the years and i i have heard your podcast with Roche, which I think was great, so my my kind of stuff is more of like a mix show thing mm-hmm. but um I've learned from do you, do you know a guy called Ray Castaldi? I don't know if you've heard of him before I don't think so what so so, no, this, I don't think so yeah He's he's the, the miraculous thing about this guy, because so many people like I, I don't know him and I, I wouldn't at all. He DJs at the NFL games here. Okay. And I think he's done the Super Bowl and stuff. And he's an organist and a DJ. Wow. And I was just watching him like mesmerized about how much he could do. And I got to see him at the NFL. I got to see him at the Yankees Red Sox game when I was playing. And it was actually the Yankees Red Sox game. That Sweet Caroline became such an obvious banger because I know Red Sox. The right. Red Sox is their tune, right? It's like we, their we, have, song. we use it over here. with... It's their song, yeah. So over here, we've used it for cricket, we've used it for boxing. Northern Ireland soccer team have used it as well. But I did have the opportunity when working with the Euros to propose some music to them. You were given most of what you had to play, but I said, look, we could do with this Oasis track, that this track. And the Sweet Caroline one was the one, and it stuck and it got so bonkers after I played it that. You know, it got to number two on the UK iTunes chart. We're having talks about how we can do, without giving too much away, something that we're going to plan for the end of the year with it as well. And um, it's, it's just, it's a, a miraculous kind of thing that, that kind of scaled up over the course of the tournament. And, you know, even my social media, uh, the amount of press I was doing during the course of the tournament. So my wife, God, God bless her, she's through the other side of that wall. She was like becoming my PR agent because I'd finish a Wembley game and I'd come home, and there'd be like 30 emails, like, we're from the New York Times, we're from La Parisienne, we're from CBC Canada, and we'd love to speak to you about the reaction to Sweet Caroline. So it just, I, you know, I did nearly 50 interviews through the course of the tournament, and it became this big thing. You know, England, England didn't win in the end. We lost in the final. I but know, it's I Now know. We were watching. You My still- son
0: was... Uh- <laughs> My son had his head, face in his hands. <laughs> he was That's like, him. no. And he's such a fan <laughs> of those players. And, you know, but it was a good lesson to him. You know, I showed him. I said, look, exactly. even the best, this happens, you know, and, and they put their That's all it. and they're going to come back. This is the game.
1: This is the beauty of this it. This is you the know. game. That's exactly it. But look at it. Like I've, I've said that um, tournament sports are the greatest festival on earth, right? Because, you know, your son's over there in, in, in LA and he's watching it and he's engaged with it. Yeah. So these things are, are really special and the music sound literally soundtracks it because there are now school kids over here that had never heard Sweet Caroline, little six year olds, and they're all singing it at their school assemblies and it's just It's magic. Like, if you can just go with positive energy, it's mad. Yeah, exactly. Positive energy is what we need, you know,
0: especially right now. And also, like you mentioned just really quickly, the song was super high up on the charts after you played it. So in a way, like... Neil Diamond owes you some royalties or something. I don't know what. Yeah, uh... man. <laughs> Neil, beer, Neil, come on. Where are you?
1: <laughs> God bless him. So, so it's, it's that as well. And I actually, I looked through the chart because I was working with a team behind the scenes. And this is where the sports thing is insane because the tracks, the, the song, the fans create songs after hearing a track, right? So seven nation army, du, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Those tracks re- resurface and chart really high during the course of a tournament. So there's another massive commercial angle that I think we're going to be working on for the next couple of tournaments as well to create an even better experience for the fans and give them something to keep after to help remember it, which is a track. So it can work really well. That's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, there's so much you can do. I would imagine... Neil would want
0: to come uh, perform or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, but we we were talking about that. It was like we're going to get him over. Apparently, he's a, he's a little unwell. God bless him. So, uh, oh okay. yeah, we'll, we'll uh, we 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 even had. There's another. There's a band over here called Atomic Kitten. They're like from the late nineties, early two thousands, and right. they changed the words to one of their songs in time for the tournament, and it became we serenade our manager. Like looking back on when we first met, it's like this really emotional, cheesy song. And you've got sixty thousand, like absolutely lagered up football fans, just singing this this ballad to our manager. And we were playing because you know we played it at the stadium. It's bonkers. It's absolutely insane. That's crazy. I
0: love it. And, and like you said, you know they give you some music, but you're also allowed to pick the music. How much power do you have over
1: picking the music or making a change on the fly like that? so this is the thing I mean UEFA who run it were, were brilliant and give me a chance to pitch a couple of songs mm-hmm. but there's so much that goes into it right the difference with sports stage uh, sports DJing is you know the commercial side of it the legalities by definition my role was ne- neutral as well so they were like yeah you're English you're an English man don't hog it don't give your team an advantage and of it course. was hard and I'll be really honest before the first few games I was really nervous like I've i got so crazy nervous preparing stuff, but we did a good job. The amazing team that working with me helped. And as the tournament went on, we won the trust of the organizers. So they were like, they proposed certain things as well. Like the Italians who were playing with us, a famous singer in Italy passed away and it was suggested that we play one of her songs and that went down well. And I played it again when they won, I was like, we need to play it again. And it went well. So they were like, okay, you seem to know what you're doing. Then the sweet Caroline thing happened. Um, just before the quarterfinal stages. So we had four, four games to go and they were like, we can trust this guy. And it got to the point where I've got the match director in my ear and one of the games went to a penalty shootout to decide it. I was like, mate, his name's Tom Howie. shouts to Tom. It's like, Tom, I really want to play Eminem Lose Yourself whilst they're walking to the penalty spot. You know, could you imagine like the tension that that's going to build? And he was like going to the head officials at UEFA producing the match. Tony wants to play him and then lose yourself. They're like, has he got a clean version? I'm like, yeah, like my crates are loaded. And we played it. So the penalty takers are walking up to the spot oh and he's carrying like this cinematic. Yeah. I mean, I'd say, I'm sure in the States that's a, like quite an obvious choice. But in, in, in the UK, playing these American songs with the like essentially a European competition, they're like, what? But it worked. It worked and it yeah. created this kind of nervous energy amazing
0: i mean you're create you're like a music supervisor of a movie live you know you're creating everything i mean it's insane that's such that's such that's one of the best things about being a dj is that nobody knows what it's like to be us you know like they have visions of it but we're up there looking at everything and you're able to like just change everything or create create your own scene you know it's it's almost like we're watching a movie and then you're like this would go perfectly in the movie and then you just created it
1: yeah that is so cool 100% and, and sometimes of course we've all been there when you know it, it doesn't work out for whatever right. reason and you know and that's I, th- I think with the, the football touchwood everything was pretty much the plan because I was just so invested as a fan yeah but I've been like loads of other DJs before I've played like the wrong track here's a, here's a good example because uh, for example in in Wales to explain things uh, they've got the soccer team and the rugby team and I've DJed for their rugby team mm-hmm. and I played uh, Zo- Zombie Nation, which is like a well-known sports track oh, for yeah. the rugby team. Of course. Little did I know that the soccer team were like, that is our song, oh. like, but you're the same nation. What, what are you talking about? This shouldn't be a problem. And I, then I checked Twitter and I'm like, oh my God, this has not gone, gone down really well. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I survived. I survived, but um, I I got put on trial by the Northern Ireland Association as well. So they had been singing Sweet Caroline for years. And during the course of the Euros, I played it for England. And then I get an email from BBC Ulster in Ireland. I'm like, this is cool, man. Like, take on all the press you can. Like, Like, even the team with me are like, you know, go for it. And they're like, well, we'd like to have a conversation with you about you using Sweet Caroline. It'll be a nice chat. I was like, sure, sure. They put me on this phone call live on BBC in Ireland and as I'm getting queued in, they're like, this is Tony Perry, who's accused of theft for stealing one of our songs. And I was like, what? And then they had three people like uh, like to interrogate me. Like you stole our song. I was like, what? It ended up being like a great bit of banter. But That's it's, you hilarious. know, you realize that it sports and music are so tribal, right? So yeah. you are putting your neck on the line sometimes. But I, I just about survived, I think. Yeah, you know, it is very
0: tribal. People get very, very you know attached and defensive uh to things but i mean come on you can't claim a song that that famous
1: unless you wrote it that's the thing i was was gonna say listen number one it's neil Diamond's song and second it's the yankees song then it's everybody's all right so you know we can we can all take a bit of it
0: (laughs) that's so funny oh my god this it's just been such a crazy journey over the past you know month or two months for all of this you you said another thing too i think it was possibly on the caption of the video of when you played Sweet Caroline that first time when it was great and you said the match director said in your ear in the same way you were just mentioning we've been closed up for 18 months let them have it and it yeah it just that sets such a it it gives you a feeling you know in your body because we've all been through so much the past 18 months we haven't been able to go to these sports games you were DJing in empty stadiums we were watching online so for everyone to be together and the music and him to say, go ahead. And you pick the song. It's just, it's such a crazy math, uh, magical moment, you know, to
1: just come together like that. It was. Yeah. And I think that's why it works because, you know, we've, we've all suffered. So sports and music are like, you know, and maybe film to add with it with a few other things. There's such amazing connections between, between them. Yeah. And yeah, that's why playing that track was like a, a release because in the UK at the time, you know our clubs had hadn't opened yet, and you know there were still limits on what you could do. So that elation, what happened during in the stadium, actually spilled out into the whole country from the soccer team doing so well. It's not about me, but the about the soccer team doing so well. Yeah, and that song just happened to to hit the button with what was going on. So yeah, it's been it's been a great a great couple of months, definitely. That's great. And um, a- and
0: are there any? Do you get requests from the players or different things that they want to hear uh, during or before the the match?
1: So with with the Euros, it was it was relatively limited because of the whole like neutrality thing. But yeah, I've had I've had the privilege of working with like the Premier League over here and uh, and, and Liverpool Football Club, who uh, they had a specific song. They were so they they basically won our Premier League during the pandemic, right? So it was the first time they would won it in 30 years and none of their fans were there. So the music that they were going to put on the TV became even more important. And I had the privilege of working on that project as well. I heard through the grapevine so much. So they were that passionate that the captain of the team got involved in trying to curate what they, what music was going to be played for the trophy. And um, their track was Kanye West, all of the lights. That's what they didn't tell everyone that they were playing it in the dressing room every game before they went out. So that, that's their tune but through through due diligence that as and as a massive sports fan I was creating notes on my on my iPhone through the course of the year leading up to the Euros like okay Liverpool like that song I know that one of my favorite players Bukayo Saka really likes the Lemonade song that was you know a a banger of last year or earlier this year so I had that on some of the players like Roddy Rich, like so all, all the US tracks we had as well yeah so whilst I don't get specific songs from the players. Cause I know in the NBA, you'll get to know that like, LeBron's jam is this, this month and you can literally play it in, in soccer. You don't have a chance to play it during the game, but in the lead up, you, you can have a bit of an influence. But again, that's another thing that needs to come into play. Like let's do it before a game. Let's have five from the squad and play five tracks that the players are feeling. And I can yeah. do a mix show for you or like, let's get you an interview with the artist on like what we're doing here. All this stuff I think is going to really start happening in the next, uh, you know, five to 10 years over here.
0: Yeah, totally. That's that's so cool. Um, you know that's so cool to hear the way that you can kind of connect with the players and like do all that. You know all that stuff. And um, and I also saw that you had a contest. I think was to potentially get tickets or something on your Instagram. And uh, yeah. you had so people had to. You had so many comments. People had to say what song they would play. Was that it? Yes. Yeah. That's
1: right. They had to pick what what song they were going to play.
0: And I saw, I saw Uh, some some mutual friends saw D. James in there, and uh, (laughs) a lot of great D. D. James. Shout to D. James. He's gonna one day come on this show uh, eventually. Um, But uh, uh, but I saw like, were there any standout answers that were horrible or great
1: or just weird or different? You know what happens, and this is so that the sponsor of the tournament is Vivo, who are based in Asia. And the, the, the K-pop, I'm going to describe them as the K-pop mafia, got hold of of, of uh, basically the votes. And it oh. was BTS. Oh, no. Uh, so on, on on Twitter, it was like BTS. And I'm like, hmm, like, I don't see BTS butter fitting into like hyping up the crowd. But some <laughs> of that, that got through. So, uh, but yeah, the competition, again, that was another part of this whole explosion. What happened to me during the course of the tournament was I started doing these brand activations because that's another thing as a sports DJ you've got to have the ability to do is like, you know, and I'll explain in a moment like how on the fly you've got to quickly talk to a camera or do these sorts of things. Right. And, uh, yeah, they, they got in touch with like give away some tickets and, you know, I had a relatively small following. It had like, you know, a quarter of a million views on my Instagram. I and know I people, saw
0: it was crazy.
1: It, it was mad out of nowhere. So again, it, it was a great opportunity for for me to do that as well. But yeah, with, with the sports and all of that happening, You know, I had to wear the the, the brand all the time and then I'd be in the middle of a set and you've got, you've got in-ear comms, you've got your DJ headphones, you've got the, can you imagine the slap back at Wembley Stadium, like the songs arriving tomorrow, like when it's it's hit the back of the wall. I had that thought, like, as I watched
0: you because you you were, I saw you pulling it down to have everyone sing and I'm like, oh, like, it must be such a delay.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's like it's like the bluetooth situation where, where right. we're trying to speak on here but exactly I've seen it with yeah. you before as well you, you, you've played so many incredible tours and stages you, you know what it's like you have your it's not like djing in your bedroom there's so many yeah. other things wrapped around your head and and going on but then all of a sudden you know when you're doing these sports gigs they might be like here's an ex-pro and the pro appears literally in a dj booth and you've got to talk to them like in between your short sets and you're like you know what's going on yeah. so it it, it does help to have a bit of knowledge of the sport sometimes. Um, and also just the ability to be just as relaxed as you can be. So that if something like that does happen, you're able to talk. And a, another thing that I'd say is a tip as well that I've learned over the years is that I used to, you know, Serato face, as we call it, like you're just staring at yeah. your screen, like, yeah. really not remembering what's on the other side. With the Euros, just because I think I was a fan so much, I was just having the time of my life. Like I was chanting, putting my hands in the air, and without you realizing, that's what the fans want to see. So like if you go to a gig and your favorite DJ is looking really pissed off, you're not going to feel, even if he set's fire and he's yeah. playing everything you want to hear, you're Just it's not going to be the same. So you've got to make sure that you've got your kind of stage face right as well, I think. I agree.
0: And how do you feel comfortable? Like when you said you have to be able to be calm and comfortable and ready for those things, which is hard because you also feel extremely nervous beforehand, which i felt and you said you felt... Um, is it just a matter of preparation? Um, is it just a matter of preparation or is there something else you do to relax yourself and be ready?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, I I won't know. I'm one of those DJs that I think I'd probably do a better job after a a swift strong shot of vodka or something like that, but I couldn't do that on a match day. Um, the thing that would trip me out the most is having like a a technical malfunction, like my Serato glitches out or, or, or whatever. So, I had, you know, two laptops with me. I had USB sticks. I had, you know, even auxiliary cables and all that stuff, just everything. Yes. I did have an amazing team working with me to cover all of that. But um, so I didn't ever feel too worried about that. But I'll be honest, the thing that kind of took the nerves out of you was that the, the physical demands of the day, because you turn up and start way before kickoff yeah. and you turn up even way before that to rehearse. So you're physically a little bit tired, which which took the edge off. But also I've got to say that in, in these events, you've got the safety net of the team that you're working with. When you're working on a production that big, you, you've got to work hard to make sure the relationships are right and put your time into that. And then those guys eventually they want to see you do just as well as they would want for themselves. Right. And that's why, you know, it shouts to all those guys. They've become such good friends of mine over that month. It felt like I heard you have a DJs mentioning DJ in the bubble with the NBA. Yeah. And on a on a shorter scale, that's what this was like. You become this fraternity. yeah. And we were all pushing one another. So it just became like a, a really great sort of bond over the tournament. So I, I lost the nerves in the end uh, and managed to just fully focus on, on trying to do as good a job as possible. Right. That makes sense.
0: And, and I think something you mentioned earlier I didn't get to totally follow up on is the just the, the due diligence that you do and the research and the little things that may seem common sense or may seem pointless to other people, but they pay off in the end. The way you made little notes of what people would like or anything, and that's what I do too with a lot of my private events, and I feel like it it just adds that extra thing to it so if i'm doing a private event for a movie i look up the director i try to find an interview of songs they like i find out who the music supervisor is i find out what the actor's like who's gonna be at the party you know and then i make sure i'm gonna put in if the actor i've seen them on instagram listening to this song or whatever it is or the director has done other movies and i noticed they have all these songs i try to make sure you do that and um You know, in a way, yes, that can bring your nerves down, but also kind of get you that extra thing where they're going to get your card and go, wow, wait, you were really listening or you're really paying attention. And there's there's a lot of other things that go with it. You know, you could be a great DJ, but yeah, if you're just staring at your screen, you look horrible or you have to be able to talk to people. And I think a lot of your background from your family in the event business and being able to do weddings and being able to be so versatile that helps so much to be able to do all those different situations because same thing like I'll go I'll be opening for a rock band and then going to do a you know 90s hip-hop party and then doing a big room in Vegas and then doing a house music thing and that you know it's always different and sometimes I go man I wish I'd just do one thing because it's so hard to keep track of it all but really it's a blessing and I'm so thankful that I'm able to do that. And it seems like you're in a similar position um, like that. And you utilize all of your experience. Also just people skills that plays into the business of being a DJ and, and making this your career, not just something cool.
1: I think that's massive. And like yourself, like you said that, you know, we've connected recently, which has been amazing. But yeah. I felt like I knew you before the podcast because your personality is out there. And I think that is that is a ceiling for some people because the personality at the end of the day there's there's so many djs that are technically you know better than me there's going to be loads of djs that might be able to have i don't know a better tune selection ability as well but the overall thing to be able to do things as versatile as yourself your personality is that x factor yeah and the the due diligence to go away and do all that research that you did like it 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 leaves an impression on people and although sometimes you might I'm probably the same as you. My I say my Shazam eats better than I do. So I'm literally <laughs> out everywhere. I'm like, I need that. I need that. I don't know why I need it, but I need that. <laughs> Me too. And it, it eventually, it comes into play, right? That it all does. of a sudden, I'm playing this this random gig. Like today, I heard uh, a set that Jay Espinosa posted on his Mixcloud. And I was like, you know what? I haven't checked up on him in a while. And he inspires me so much. Oh, he's me incredible. too. I, I know I got to get him on this podcast. I've been talking to him about it. Yeah, and I was just
0: listening cool. to that mix right before this interview too. The, oh, really? The tropical so one mixed. he just posted.
1: Like, yes, that's so the good. one. So that to me, it's like there's there's certain times because I, I do I, – like, I've got love for all genres, but he's educating me, man. So I, I will now listen to that mix, and it's not copying it. It's like he's doing this with this kind of music, and I'm thinking – right? I'm doing an event for a fashion brand called Boohoo. And instead of playing the original cuts of that track, why not spice it up a bit? Cause it does create a different vibe. Yeah. And, um, it makes a difference with, you know, taking it back to the Euros, um, the part of area I grew up in, I'm not Italian myself, but a lot of my friends are. Mm-hmm. So I'm speaking to them through the course of the tournament. Right. I'm like, Guys, there's this song I've seen the players singing. Uh, it's called, like, I can't say it right, but it's called night magic or whatever. And they're like, yeah, not here. I'm like, Yeah, what was that? And it's a song that was big, I think, in 1990 when Italy hosted the World Cup. Oh, wow. So I was DMing my bro, shouts out to Moz, who worked in music as well. I was like, Moz, I found a version on iTunes, and it sounds crap. It sounds like the worst karaoke I've ever heard. This isn't the right version of that song. Send me the version you've got, right? And by this time at the tournament, it was towards the end. UEFA were like, we trust you. Like, Carry on doing what you're doing. And I played the track, and it just, again, for the Italians, on Twitter... I, I do my due diligence on there, which is not always the best thing to do to see what people saying after the game. But in this <laughs> case it was all right. Right. They were all like the DJ must be Italian because he's playing this song. Like how else was he going to know? And that's because I took the time to research with my, my Italian brothers and sisters over it and find out what they wanted. So, that, in turn, made the organizers of the tournament being like, this guy's gonna, he's doing it with the best interests of everybody, not just England. Yeah. So those small things, in the same way you'll keep getting booked for those premieres and doing those amazing tours that you do, it's because you just go the extra mile. It's, it, it's not rocket science, but it's worth it. Yeah, exactly.
0: And, you, you know, our goal is to get these people to trust us, you know what I mean? I'm, we're trying to help the other yeah, DJs my- coming up. And I think, in a way, like I said, you're paving the way just for the trust factor, um, alone as well as all the other things but to show these people that we are professionals we're not just this robot that you want to put there that does this stupid thing we're yeah actual skilled professionals that have been putting 10 20 years of work into this and know what to do at the right time you know so that's why when we get into a situation at a club or a place where someone's telling us what to do the whole time and they don't trust us it's annoying, you know. You're like, listen, this is what this is what I do. So, yeah, yeah it that, probably
1: doesn't work out as well, right? That it the, never the, works the, the out as well. on the other side, yeah. The vibe isn't the same. So you need to find the right person, no. go with their gut, and and trust them a little bit. I'm, I agree with that totally. Yeah.
0: And same, I that's what I do. I remember I got booked for the Narcos uh, Mexico premiere, and I was like, right. and they were like, we want all Latin music, this and that, and I'm like, oh man, and I went crazy researching old and new songs from colombia from mexico from all the different things associated i did the gig and people were coming up to me the actors from the show and how do you know this music are you from here i'm like i'm no i'm from la i don't know any you know i just researched it i've been listening all week i've been going through songs i've been figuring out mixes i'm mixing with new and old and um it just that really pays off you know and um just you know doing that and also just a little a shameless promo is the cool thing about beat source is that we have all of this stuff there and there's people like d james who is an expert in afro beats who can teach you he, just he by looking at his updated playlist
1: but yeah. I, I call him the king of lagos because he's he's one of my best friends in music he's like I, his knowledge is insane it's because insane. like you said he he He's rooted in the music, so he's a great asset for be- Beat Source. Yeah, and genuinely as well, I'm I'm looking forward to bringing that into the sports environment eventually as well because it can be utilized. You might need to react and have a record ready, not necessarily in soccer that you wouldn't have at your disposal for you know if I'm playing an NFL game or whatever. Right, it'll be there. So it's it's definitely going to be a game changer for us.
0: Is there a difference uh, that you noticed, even though it was um, out where you live, a difference in DJing the NFL, MLB? you know euros like the different types of sports rugby
1: oh it's it's the difference is is massive so you, i think it helps to understand the culture as as well and 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 like i was saying earlier with with the nfl because it comes to london it's not just londoners you've got nfl fans from all over europe right. that come to the game so you, you've got to toe a line where they're not necessarily going to chant but you want to give them something engaging so yeah i'm going to play a song that references london because that's where we are but I'm also going to ch- check the Shazam charts in Berlin or wherever there's a big NFL following to give the fans that experience. Um, but with those games, sometimes I've, I've DJed for, for the Jacksonville Jaguars during their prowl when they yeah. walk out the tunnel, and that's that's when I'll get tracks. I get excited by that because I was getting tracks that I was playing in the club the night before. Yeah, so they're giving me all the, the brand new, like Travis or whoever it is. And that, that was really exciting. But yeah, each sport is different. I mean, the heritage of, of rugby has a certain background, so they want to hear certain songs. Right. Um, what's really cool with them at the moment, friends of mine are doing the Stings as a live band. Oh. So instead of a DJ or an organist, there's a four-piece band playing a tri-sting. I, I think it's so cool. That's going to be, that's new to us over here. Yeah, So that's yeah, there's great. a difference in, it, in each one. That's so cool
0: um and and also i noticed that in some of your videos and things you had on your computer um the dj tp and then it sort of switched (laughs) over and everything was like tony perry tony perry no more tp is that uh, and then i saw you post something on your instagram about it what what's the story behind that you you were called tp before and then changed it recently or when was that switch
1: yeah so I'll tell you about it I'm sure our American viewers are thinking what he was called TP so my initials (laughs) are TP right and my favourite DJ growing up was DJ EZ those are not his initials but I was like you need a name like that so since I was 11 when I started it was TP anyway like this is a good more than a decade into my career I finally got to DJ with the NFL and you know I get to the ground like 8 hours before the game starts I'm meeting all of the staff and whatever who are mostly English and then you've got the match director who's flown over from the States and he's like super cool guy he's like what's your name i'm like I'm, I'm tony i just use my normal name okay and then when it comes to show calling they're like tp's ready for you and he's like what like the tp's ready for me what, what do you mean <laughs> and this is like that's the dj's name he's like you can't be serious the dj's called toilet paper and i was like oh my god yeah the, the americans they refer to like i remember from beavis and butthead tp like that's where i remember it from right <laughs> and oh, no. uh, i was like crap that's still i that didn't go away so i'm dj toilet paper my mates loved it. Like they were like, yeah, man, you are, you, we oh. always told you you were shit. So your toilet paper. Oh wow. wow. And, um, Amazing. So it was after that I, I I was conscious of it. But then after that, <laughs> I was like, just go with your name. And, and to be honest, it you know, I, you got to laugh at yourself sometimes. It's of hilarious course. looking back, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad as well though, because with everything that's happened since I just think it's a little bit more mature maybe to be called Tony Perry rather than Toilet paper.
0: I think it, it was the universe working its magic in the right way. You know what I mean? Because I agree. I honestly wouldn't have thought that as much with the T P thing. But then once you say it now, that's all I can think about. But that but I think it was perfect. You know, you came in, you 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 hadn't had your huge moment yet. So for it was it was the universe was setting you up for when you were going to play that Sweet Caroline <laughs> that one day and become, you know, the household name and you wouldn't be called TP and then have to deal with that situation. <laughs> you had already done the Tony Perry and it was fine. And I do think it sounds cool. It it has it's your name, which is great and has a good ring to it. And it just works a little bit more mature. And, and also you just released your debut song. And I feel like in a way it goes with that very well, you know, in the way that you kind of are doing it. So yeah. that's hilarious. And the Beavis and Butthead thing. Oh my God. that I didn't even you think about that. You remember that, right? Yes. That, it, only was you, where I was like, <laughs> oh my Traumatized. God. Oh my God. Wow. That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of DJs hate their name. I mean, but that's that's hilarious. Well, okay. So good good job on changing it at the right time. Um, and then um, you have released, like I said, your debut song um, that is getting a lot of attention and support from great people. And I don't think that's only because of what has happened with um, the Sweet Caroline thing and your you know people knowing you now. I think that it's a good track and people are are latching onto it. So I saw Tiesto was playing it, Fat Boy Slim. I heard it on Tiesto's radio show podcast. Um, yeah.
1: That First of all, congratulations. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean the, the music production thing is, because, you know, I was DJing so young. I was right. so focused on that. I always wanted to produce, but didn't necessarily put enough time into it then. But it's quite a nice story, again, like coming out of a lockdown, because, during the lockdowns, I focused on it a bit more. Um, I made uh, an edit. I made, I made the track is essentially a mashup. Um, Rosala, right. Everybody's Free, Liquid Sweet Harmony, which are two pretty globally known like rave songs. Yeah, I made it as a, as a mashup and, and thought this would be great to play if they ever let us out again and just forgot about it. Um, and then I kept doing the Instagram live thing and whatever, like the 80s mix you saw. Yeah. And somebody saw that and said, you know what? You should get Tony on this radio station. And I got a radio show during like the back end of the last lockdowns we had here in the UK. And I played four radio shows into it, the, the mashup. And a guy called Mark Brown, who owns a, a record label called CR2, mm-hmm. um, the track that globally people most will most know is Put Your Hands Up for Detroit by Freddie LeGrand. Of course. Was on that label. Yeah. He got that to, to number one years ago. And he's called me up after I played the mashup. I'm like, crap, does he like... Is he going to go and tell the labels I've done this? Does he own the rights to the track or whatever? And he said, no, no, I, I want to sign that. So I was like, really? You want to? I was like, it's a mashup. He's like, we're going to remake it. We'll get Rosala to sing it. And even if she doesn't, we'll vocal it. So I get this opportunity and I'm like, wow, this is before- nothing to do with the Euros as well. right? So I call up my, my really good friend, Marek to assist me with like the production we were we as a duo called dance lab as well yeah and uh yeah we got he got, he got everything cleared both sides of the record cleared wow and um we, we is a, so a mashup that's been cleared right which is not easy that's to what do. i was wondering and because it, i'm
0: like did he license this yeah, but he's putting it out as his own track so i'm so happy you're telling the story um that's so interesting yeah. okay so sorry
1: to interrupt it, but yeah it, keep it, going no that's fine i mean he's so so potentially like if you're in it for for what money could come from it then Maybe it's not the best thing because you've got two hundred percent trying to eat one hundred percent pie. But for right. me, as someone who's releasing their first bit of music, I don't care about that. I'm no. just loving music and want to want to progress. So we've it's just the beginning. i only- say just go for it.
0: Anyone who's too caught up yeah. in money and splits uh, and strong. percentages is never gonna really go anywhere. You got to do it for the right reasons, and it will lead to things, you know. And um, so, yeah, good good attitude. But that's incredible. So so they.
1: So, did you remake the pianos and the and she resang everything? It's not any samples. Yeah. So there's no samples. So I've got got to give credit to Marek there who I worked with. He's like a he's a professor when it comes to this stuff. I sat with him and I was like, bro, that is exactly like yeah, it so sounds identical. Com- yeah, it's completely remade and that's a revocal as well. So CR2 wow. the label, you know, they really backed us and it's been revocalled and then it's all organic as well because because I'm a new artist in that sense the playlists is the algorithms and all these other people whilst I've got the exposure from the euros, it's not there. So it's really hard. I mean, you, we couldn't, I think Shazam changed uh, Apple changed the policies that you couldn't Shazam a track that's not released anymore. I think you can only do it once it's released apparently. Oh. So even that we were, we were like, I think that might be the case. We, we, we had an uphill, battle to try and get the track out Mm -hmm. but what's happened is that the track hasn't even been playlisted on national radio yet of course we've got a great team of pluggers from the label and and everything else but organically i i was at an event once and a producer of a great tv show over here well i say great but it's a very popular tv show called love island right okay yes it's on here too i think right right so it's everywhere it's franchised out and you know people have their views on it but it's (laughs) it's the it's the big one it's the one that kind of everybody watches And I happened to meet a producer from that show, became a friend years ago. And um, that's how we actually got that track this week on the show. So it's Uh... not even been on national radio and it got played and that's how it just kind of started getting bigger. And then my friends who shouts out to Ricky Melvin, Shine, they on radio one they've supported with the track. And now there's all these organic things happening, which is kind of part of this. It's just being positive about things that happen. So, we're hoping that there's going to be more support for it now and we could potentially get into the charts, the ma- the main charts over here. It's in the iTunes chart, but yeah, it's just crazy. Another mad thing. That's all happened in the last that six months. The process started, but the track has been out 10 days and it's just, oh, you know, man. what's happening. It's crazy. The timing of it is so perfect too. And then what about the label? Yeah, Do they, so, so
0: like you said, it is samples and money wise, it may not be the best thing. What is the labels um, goal with, with it just sort of helping to build you up and to be able to release music and stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is another really nice part to the story and credit to Mark Brown. He's a, he's a veteran in the game. He's released some huge music, Yeah, but he, the station station that I got a show on, he'd been listening to it. Right. And it's, it's, it's called center shout out to the center Falls It's family. It's a massive station from the eighties, the but it's not like, you know, national in the sense of BBC or anything it's more a pirate that went DAB and everything else they've done fantastically well yeah Mark from the label was listening to the station Mm -hmm. and wanted he enjoyed it so much he says I want to give something back to the DJs who helped me get through the pandemic when I was down like your show and your show and your show was something I look forward to every week and I didn't know he was listening to my show and he might have seen other things I was doing and be like maybe he'd be good to connect with yeah and yeah that he's more interested in seeing something do well in his own words today he was like I just get off on the fact that we can help someone get to that level and get some decent music out so credit to him it's not a commercial thing for him it's just from passion so I love it that's so cool and you mentioned before that you got this radio show I think you're on
0: your 10th or 11th episode now right and that came from streaming on twitch you said
1: yeah, so I did, um, as, soon as, as soon as the pandemic struck, I was, I was actually on honeymoon with my wife. In, mm-hmm. This is a bit of a funny story. We, yeah. we were in Bali for literally, literally, to get to Bali from London is, is not easy. No, and I'm we sure. were there for 48 hours and the, the pandemic was getting worse and worse. We couldn't not go because they weren't canceling stuff at the time. Yeah. So we're over there and we, there was an earthquake while we were there. I was like, we need to get home. <laughs> oh my God. So the, fir- the first thing I, yeah, it was bonkers. That first thing I was doing as I was getting back was, as you said, getting the kit ready to start streaming. And I I went straight into it March last year, like bang, Instagram live, and then bang, Twitch. And this is another good thing as well, because I know we all get caught up in numbers so many times. Like, you know, there's only my first Twitch, it was only this many people, and then there was only a bit more. And I never had more than a couple of hundred people watching what I was doing on my own channels anyway. Right. But it doesn't matter because you're giving the same people watching each week, and they're like, thank you so much. And then you don't realize that they're flying your flag And the right person in that 200, like from a big label or from, you know, a guy who owns a club or a guy who's from a sports team is watching. Like one of my, there's a footballer called Tony Adams, who's like, I don't know how to describe him, but he's like from the 90s and he used to be captain of England. So he could have played for the Bulls. And I'm not not saying he's Scottie Pippen because he's not like that at all, but he's he's a big stature player. He ended up coming in on one of my Instagram lives. And I'm like, what? This is bizarre so all these things were happening because you just shouldn't you should never take for granted what can happen if you just keep putting your all into it i really believe that yeah i agree and and the show came from that so yeah
0: that's incredible that's so cool and the show looks great i watched the videos that you put up of it um and i couldn't tell if maybe you were like there was a video element to it because you have that big video wall behind you um and stuff yeah, like that so it's a great, yeah it's a cool it's a great station
1: they've they've they, they really are there um there's, there's a, actually there's a book coming out about the station i spoke to someone today who is writing this history of the book uh, the station because it started in the 80s off the back of football culture ironically and oh, wow. acid house music oh wow and um it, it's come full circle because those djs now are like a couple of decades older than us but there's a load of, young, load of youngsters coming through and um they're really investing in it so I, I i genuinely think that station could be one that could elevate itself over the next couple of years as well it's a great platform so cool and your show is called strawberry sessions right yeah that was i'll be honest that was that's not what i'd naturally call it myself but there was (laughs) a a sponsor that wanted wanted to whatever you want it's totally fine the previous one was called pineapple this one's called strawberry so if i do another one maybe it's going to be called be called grapefruit beats i mean you're gonna get all the
0: fruits in there no it's not bad i mean (laughs) it's kind of a cool name it's i mean i saw it one time and remembered it so it definitely sticks in your head it does work yeah, um, for sure. And it kind of gives you the vibe of what you're playing on there. And, and, and I think you, you do a great job of connecting the old and the new and finding that connection point, you know, where they are. And also with the positivity in your the, the message of the music as well as just the way you're presenting it and speaking on the microphone and, and your energy in there. like, um, And I like how you put the videos where you'll put... Like I think you're in, you do your Instagram very well where it's very video-based, I feel like, and you do a lot of those slides so people can get a good feeling of what went into that gig or that show and get a good feeling of your personality mixed with the music you're going to play
1: um, within a sh- small and short amount of time. Yeah, exactly, because it's, it's a cliche one to say, but it's your CV at the end of the day as well. And, and like yourself, you're, you're such a diverse DJ. There's so many different things you do. Right. And, you know, as, as well as having a website or whatever, your your reference point is your is your Insta. Yeah. And sometimes I'm privileged to do certain gigs that, especially through the pandemic, like the football, was a, the, the soccer, the Euros was a yeah. massive one. So to give people the opportunity to see some of what's going on is great because it makes you feel, I know, for example, when I've watched you, like cutting up on stage with Travis or whatever it's like oh my god look at like what's what's going on it's it's amazing like we yeah. all we all want to see that so if you can do the same for people as well it's fantastic right yeah and and the
0: video edits I mean are dope on there like I think what's that camera you use like the 360 camera that can get you to look yeah. like you're in a globe but then you can zoom in and out and sort
1: of get those cool angles yeah. uh what is that so So shouts to um, Sam, who's part of the DJ City family as well. Sam Harrison is one of the photographers in the world.
0: One of the best photographers, video editors. I mean, he's incredible from anyone I see online. I'm like, this dude is only going to just keep going up and up and
1: up and do some of the best things. He's a bloody rock star as well. I love him to bits. So, yeah. My, my goal was to have him. Yeah, he also has cool tattoos and, and
0: works out and all that. So. <laughs> yeah,
1: he, he stands on a he stands on a lot of high rooftop buildings, which we're all really concerned about. The shots are amazing, but Jay, Wait, um, don't fall Sam, sand. look after yourself. We need uh, you. And, You're yeah, talented. We need you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so he he was chats um, of Volatile as well who first introduced me to him, another DJ city. Yes, Volatile is great. And
0: his Twitch streams are incredible, very unique, and he's a very story.
1: smart dude. I heard him talk on Clubhouse about his parties and everything. He's amazing. He's one of, like, I've learned so much from the time I spent with him as well, but Sam was someone he introduced me to, and I wanted Sam at the Euros with me. Yeah. So I even spoke to UEFA about it, but unfortunately, like with a lot of things, COVID meant that there was limits on what we could do. Right. So then I was like, right, if I can't shoot, I'm going to get a GoPro hero. So I didn't have as much money as I thought I would have at the time. I was pretty short, but I was like, like $350 or whatever. I was like, just do it, get it. And then I managed to capture some of the the footage on it. And I mean, and, and again, I'm by no means a household name or anything like that, but my socials got over like a million views from that camera and having the ability to like edit it after because you can pick what you want to do. I think it's such an important thing for people. And so, which I one work is it? With a it's lot like of, GoPro. It, it, uh, it's GoPro Max. GoPro Max. And the, for, for the DJs out there as well, I think you can now use it as a as a webcam. So if you're streaming into Twitch, right, um, it doesn't have the 360 mode as part of your Twitch, but yeah, the best thing about it is the is the quick app. So I'm able to edit on the fly. So if you've got a day where between your sets or whatever, you've got an hour's break or 20 minutes break, you could put a really cool bit of content as your story right. up as well. And it, it it pays because, you know, after I've been doing that, I've, I've worked with brands for a while, but there's other brands now like, you know what that, you know, we, we're keen to have a bit of that. So they're starting to reach out. And I, I definitely think that I've got some DJ friends I work with who are just so humble and so incredible, but they're shy about, putting stuff out yeah and my advice to anyone would be like i, I hear that don't ever come across as cocky or, or arrogant but don't be afraid to make the effort of capturing it because it's, it does help 110 percent to have it out there
0: right Yeah. It's hard. You get caught up in your own mind of like, what should I post on the thing? Or I don't feel like it. I don't want to interact. And, but in reality, it's your business, it's your marketing and it's how you're presenting it to the brands. And you might have a five second window for someone to look at something and make a decision. So to have a cool looking video is great, you know, but yeah, that camera's dope. I might have to pick one up um, because after some of these like gigs i did where i was like in the rose bowl parking lot and things i'm like i had a little gopro next to me and i looked at the footage i'm like it doesn't look as cool as what it was but to have that and then the ability to do that slow zoom in and the zoom out and show you know even when you were just on you were at this amazing looking rooftop and it wasn't necessarily a stadium but you made
1: it look so cool the way it was filmed and the zooming 100% 100% so I even had like I, I it probably looks quite annoying to some of the people when I turn up but I make sure I've got the gizmos in place so I might have two cameras after because you know you some in some of the gigs like if it's a residency it's cool don't kill yourself you'll, yeah. you'll get another opportunity but one of the times that it really worked for me was the first time I meant, mentioned playing at the Titans Chargers game I think it was I think it was uh, at Wembley and I had a GoPro and it just wasn't working and it was the first time I was playing to Eighty-seven thousand, and I was up by the big screen, and it, the view. There's a video of the American National Anthem being sung right. I was send it to you. It's just epic, and I was like, I need to get a photo. Like, I was too nervous. I was like, don't forget the photo. Concentrate on your gig. Don't be an idiot. Right. And then I was like, I, I was like, you know what? Actually, my gig is done, but get a photo after, so you can concentrate what you're going to do. And shouts out to Adam who managed to fix my GoPro. He's a friend of mine. I worked with him at the Euros as well. He took this snap and. The smoke had just gone off. The sunbeams were shining through like these big arms of Wembley and the American flag was out and the photo went crazy for me. It ended up being uh, uh, published in Serato's anniversary book. And, you know, it's one of those things that sometimes I know it's a bit of a pain in the ass to get a picture done, pain in the butt to get a picture done, but it does, you know, that's a memory for for forever. So it's an incredible thing.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. It's important. You got to do it. I mean, obviously don't mess up your gig, but um, the more, you know, that's, that's part of the, prep that you should put your time into is, is getting those things and it's something i was i've been realizing more and more getting back into live gigs again here i'm like oh even with the tr- i did something with travis two months ago and i only had this little gopro and i looked at it later and i was like oh i didn't even film that much you know the good stuff so yeah.
1: um you just i mean yeah you want to cool. get it's footage. cool though because you're going to everyone knows you're you are an incredible dj and what your abilities are so well, thank you man. know it's not always that of course man i've thought that for ages but it's like it's not the end of the world if you don't get the fidge. so right sometimes like you say don't compromise yourself but if you've got it there fantastic for the sake of the euros 100 percent. that was a once in a lifetime thing we might not yeah. get a tournament like that here again but right don't get me wrong if i'm doing something else and i'm meeting them so for example this is a good good uh, point when I first started doing the matches there, I didn't touch my GoPros. I was like, if you go there and start setting this and that up, they're gonna think you're in it for the wrong reasons. So right. get your trust, learn the ropes, make sure you're keeping everybody happy. Say hello to everyone, look them in the eye, say how are you, ask them their name, do all the normal things. And later, like the first three or four games, I didn't get any footage, like any good footage, and right. I just waited. So that's another thing. Like don't because some people are so concerned with I want to do that that gig because i want to get the photo and i don't blame them but make sure you're doing it for the right reasons first and then the rest of that stuff does eventually follow kind of organically i think exactly
0: like if they trust you and know you're doing a good job they'll probably be like go for it film everything take pictures post it but if uh, they think you're just doing it sorry. for that and you kind of suck and you're messing things up then
1: it's it will backfire on you 100 that's literally what happened wait wait and earn the people's trust first like with any gig i think right i agree Um, And then just
0: about your family a little bit more. It's so interesting to me that your dad um, was a DJ and, you know, is a DJ. I don't think it it went away from him. I'm sure he still, you know, has it inside of him and is making the playlists and and helps you with stuff. And you guys, I mean, uh, probably DJ together. And your cousin as well made one of the biggest mashups in, I guess, DJ history. (laughs) Right? So... It's crazy. What what was that? So
1: basically so my again that's down to he he cites my dad as an, an influence but he's, he shouts out to Eden, bless him uh, he's got a lot on it at the moment so we're thinking of you Eden. he was the guy responsible for taking candy staton's vocal of you've got the love and putting it on frankie knuckles your love which is it not just because I, he's my family but that's probably the most known mashup in, in dance music certainly yeah it's and huge. um he 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 did that so it's another bit of like random musical heritage but he's also an incredible selector himself so, so another cool. example of where you've got got elders around you and it can kind of you don't even think it it just gets in, in, instilled into you so yeah yeah he's an incredible dj um that's that's so cool and your dad were you able to use your dad's dj equipment when you were young or yeah 100% okay. so he Someone asked me this earlier today, ironically, and I can't remember the name of the mixer. It was like, before now, you know, you've got an S9, an S11, or a 900 Nexus, so like, there are other brands available, but they're like, typically your industry standard. Yeah. Shouts to Alan and Heath, house DJs. But um, yeah, he he had whatever was the industry standard mixer at the time, and I kind of slowly took that off of him, and I, I had one turntable, so I didn't have decks, I just had one. And um, I used to use his old mixer, one turntable, and try and beat match to whatever was on the radio. Yeah. And that was kind of like how I know a lot of us have all done wacky things like that, but that's, right. uh, yeah, some of his equipment. He's still got all of his vinyl. And the coolest thing he's got, and I hope one day I have a home in which I can put it, he's got a jukebox from the 70s, but a proper, massive, like the place, like sevens, unbelievable jukebox. Wow. It's still at his home now. So that's a proper that's one one day i'll slowly grab that as well it's really cool
0: that's super cool oh that's amazing i'm surprised more big djs don't get those all the 45 you know people that are super into those just yeah have one just it's ready amazing. to go if you're balling out that is so cool yeah. and um and we mentioned a little bit before the contest that you won i knew that you won the uk dmc youth contest which led to so many cool things and um then the Mister Jam one, and I agree. Contests are huge. I got my start from a contest, you know, and I had been DJing for a really long time, and I had entered many contests, and I had even won a couple contests before the one that really helped put me on. Um, but I think it's important, you know, you're you're sitting there. Honing your skills and trying things out. And those can be the things that can propel you to the next level. And I remember seeing this BPM magazine contest, and you sent in a 30 minute mix to Mark Ronson. And if he picks it, you know, you get to go play with him in Miami at Winter Music Conference and then go on a tour with him around the United States. And I'm like, all right, why not? You know, I was entering those Scion contests and all those. So I did it and then ended up winning. And that really just changed my life you know in a way um so i think it's important and and they're they're constantly going on i saw um triller has this competition right now for a million dollar year uh deal with them to go dj all their stuff and i'm really interested to see who enters that and how that goes and who wins i wonder if it'll be someone that we know or just some random whole new person
1: yeah i I hope it's someone that we know as well, because the competition, I've got to know, you know, in, in the UK, we respect the US DJs and the technical ability and stuff. We've got some great DJs, but some of the stuff you guys do, yourself included, we're like, what? And I got to know a lot of them through watching, whether it was like freestyles or DMCs or whatever. But I do think that, you know, in the, in the UK, there was a battle culture here as well at some stage, but to my knowledge anyway, it's probably not as strong as it was. So I'd really, and I want to, as I get older and there's still work for me to do. But one day, if I was regarded enough, I'd like to help with a competition for the kids because it's cliche, but, you know, it keeps them off the street, puts their interest in music. And I remember when I was, when I was in the DMCs, it was a, it was a big thing for a a kid back then. There were like 700 entrants to it. And we ended up commandeering a whole bus and all going to the final and it created a nice, a nice sort of moment. And I think that, um, the kids now, if you were to do that and help mentor them properly, it'd be crazy what you can achieve. I think I think it'd really help promote good things for for for. Good I agree. Young I agree.
0: Then that's what I want to do so much too. I want to do. I want to do educational things. I want to give back. I want to help people in any way I can and then in the same way that the label owner that put your music out I want to do those kind of things anything I could do to help people even with this podcast I hope it helps people listening to learn things or get different perspective or anything because I think it's really important I mean there's someone um, DJ Tina T she has a camp called camp spinoff that she's been doing for I think 10 years at this point, but it's a, it's a DJ camp for kids. And there's a, you know, they go in and they learn Ableton and they learn scratching and they learn beat matching and, and they wouldn't have access to all of these things and all of this stuff. And then some of the greatest DJs come and speak to them, Mixmaster Mike and, you know, all the big, you know, I think Steve Aoki potentially like a bunch of people went. So yeah, I think that's very important. And, and I agree. I would want to do stuff like that as well
1: definitely i think i think that will come back into the into the fray and just kind of put dj and culture especially in the uk put it back on uh, back on the map in a big way not that it's going away but i think it's it's something that should be done
0: yeah and and i saw you say that you you know you worked through um the lockdown i mean you were able to do some in person gigs which was you know, a blessing and very good, but also you went in on Instagram live Twitch and all the things. And I see your mix cloud is crazy active. You're, you're constantly posting. And you mentioned that that helped maximize the opportunities that we talked about, but as well help mentally stop depression and all of that second guessing yourself. Like I saw you do another post where you talked about like, we haven't put all, you know, 18 years of work into this just to second guess yourself and think that maybe I'm going to give up right now. Like now's the time to not be ashamed that you have to do some side work or whatever it is, and then come back to it. Um, So is that something that helped your mental state during the time?
1: Because it was very hard for everyone. 110%. I mean, number one, watching, you know, the likes of yourselves and D nice and whoever it is across the world would be what gets you through the day. And it was as much as it was for, for, other people so from a selfish perspective it, it, it took away the time where I'd probably be using it to worry about what the hell's going to happen next yeah because it was really dark right we're yeah. still not out of it yet and I yeah. don't want to take it for granted that it's horrible like some nights I, I literally couldn't sleep I'm like what are we going to do like how's it going to go and you know the one thing I'll say is that to a lot of DJs as well never feel ashamed that you've got like a side hustle or a job or whatever because there's this whole stigma oh you're not a full-time DJ which you know I get but some guys have needed to re. Adjust and do things. Yeah. Your, your gigs are going to come back. Like, there's a DJ over here who's he's a, one of the one of the great DJs in the country. uh A uh, shout to Pat Nazimi. He posted on his socials recently. He didn't tell anyone that he went and got a job as a, a recruiter um to get through the difficult times of the pandemic. And him getting that job, it's not going to be like people like oh, he had a recruitment job, so he's not that DJ anymore. If right. anything, I felt for him even more. I was like. Your character and your strength is even more than I thought because you put on for your family and put your, you you know, you you may have thought you were jeopardizing your passion, but he's actually, I'm confident that guy will come out of it even better. And he's already really busy back doing Ibiza and whatever else. So, yeah, I think the, the music helps you get through. And it won't leave you, like you said about my dad, just because you're not DJing in the same way, it doesn't mean you've stopped. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, ha- you have to respect it all the time. Yeah,
0: that was, I mean, you know, one of the greatest episodes I've had so far of the show was Jazzy Jeff coming on. And he said something that stuck. He said a million things that stuck with me. But one thing that speaks to that was when anyone tells me that they quit DJing, I say, no, you didn't, no one quits DJing. It doesn't, you don't quit, you know, it doesn't go away. It's part of you, whether you like it or not, you, you're a DJ. So I don't know if you said it in those exact words, but it was the, it was similar to what you're (laughs) saying, you know, your dad is a DJ forever, you know, and he's going to, whether he's making those playlists or whatever it is. Um, And I'm sure, honestly, oh my God, the pride and happiness he probably feels by watching you, it must be incredible you know I, I can't imagine if it, it was my son
1: yeah it's crazy I mean you you might actually that the, the is with your son I heard he's actually pretty good at soccer right yeah and I was I was terrible <laughs> so the difference <laughs> is is that my my parents used to take me to, I guess, what you'd call the little leagues. And I'm like, will you take me again next week? And they're probably like, God, he's crap. Like, why are we going to take him again? But I did eventually get to, I, I managed to buy them tickets to the final of the Euros and brought them to the final. Oh. My dad was 60 on the day of the final. So oh, wow. it was an emotional moment for us to get I them there it. and be like, look, hey, I was, I was rubbish at soccer, but I'm playing at Wembley at the final and you can be here to to take it all in. So it was, it was a beautiful thing. yeah. And I can't wait to... One day be a dad and see if it trickles down through the generations like you're educating your little man about music as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, it's it's very unpredictable, but it's it's amazing. And what about your sister? Is she in event
1: planning or music or any of that, or does she do something different? Yes, yeah, so I've seen event planning, but she genuinely likes – she sends me tracks all the time as well, oh, and cool. she's she's someone – the music is in, in her DNA. We're only 13 months apart, and she's, she's great support to all the family. I've got to shout out Lisa as well because she – We've been together for, it's another interesting part, we've been together for like 11 years. Your wife. So I've been, yeah, so we've been DJ, married for a couple of years, but together 11. Right. When we got together, I I was still like trying to learn to get back out there or to achieve something. And she's been with me, like supportive throughout the whole thing. So like in the Euros, when all these interviews were happening, she was literally like, I had to get up at 5am to do an interview and then go wherever. She put the coffee under my nose And then she had a list of things that we talked about the previous night. She's like, that's your stuff, get on with it. And then she'd crack on with her. She's got a really important, difficult job herself. So the team element is, uh, you know, never take that for granted. I have to remember to look after her for all the things that she's done for me.
0: Oh man, that's, that, that just makes me feel good (laughs) hearing that. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great, man. Um, And, and uh, man, I feel like we have so much we could talk about. We've been talking for a while. I mean, aside from a lot of the sports stuff, I know you do, we've discussed it a bit, but you've done uh, New Year's Eve in Dubai many times, and you've done, you do a lot of these corporate gigs for people like Google and TikTok and all these cool brands, um, as well as your radio show and all that. Um, Are there, do you have any music organization tips to try to keep this stuff in order when you're going to go to some of these gigs, or is it just, constantly i know for me it's a constant thing
1: yeah i'm i I think we're we're probably the same i mean there's some guys i know like uh for example we mentioned volatile earlier i once flew to dubai with him and sat down i was like his crates are are that organized like i'm ashamed of myself (laughs) my crates are are not as organized as that so i'm I'm kind of one of those that i've got a little bit better of it over the years and i've got a master thing that i refresh all the time d james is another guy who's insanely organized but for the most part i think that and I think Ruscha was saying this with someone on one of your recent podcasts as well, that if you go there with too much set, yeah, the vibe isn't necessarily the same. So I've got a little bit more confident. And I think over the years, when you get a little bit more, you know, less nervous or understanding of what the crowd might want, uh, th- there's a crate, but I tend to try and freestyle it to a, to a degree. And since I've done that, I think the you just get a better effect of, of, of what comes out on the other side. But for some gigs, like you said, if you're going to a premiere, you went and Shazammed all this Latin music that you might not have ever heard before. And uh, I, I think that's one of my favorite parts of DJing, these mini projects within your diary, right? Yeah. Because once you've done that gig, that's all still there. Yeah. And even if it's one out of 200 tracks you downloaded, you might be able to use that for an edit you're going to make or another live show that you're going to be touring somewhere with a band in that part of the world. Or you're, you're, The beautiful thing about DJing is that you are constantly, constantly adding to what it is you've got. Um, and yeah. it's amazing because you carry it with you. And in theory, I know we we've got to some degree. People say we've got shelf life, but I think it's the opposite. I think you should mature and just carry on becoming wiser as you do it. You really should. There's no that, reason. That's what do. I've
0: noticed. That has been an evolution in DJing. Is that it used to be like, I'm not going to be like that 40 year old DJ man. You know, like people are so like, what the hell? You're the old man. You're the old woman, or you know something. But now there's different opportunities for DJs. It's not all about just a nightclub. You know, it's, there's other things involved and other from sports to these events where it pays off to potentially have more of a musical vocabulary and be more experienced and have gone through a lot, you know? So I agree. I think that um, that's another thing D nice. And a lot of people have shown over the past year or two is that that there isn't a shelf life. It's more of a, Blossoming and growing into things, and yes, maybe certain types of gigs can have a shelf life, but you can constantly evolve, and DJing is somewhat of a young industry and job, so there is no, there's still no rules or necessarily ending. The first DJs are still around, DJing, you know, so... It's not That's such a
1: good point. Like on on our like national radio here, you've got people like Pete Tong, yeah, who like was I think I don't know if he started his show before I was even born. And Carl Cox is a guy first guy I buy a ticket for. Right. My idols are like Fatboy Slim, DJ EZ, and you make such an interesting point. It's a new thing, so you know th- no one really says I'm fully retiring. I don't, you rarely hear that. Like Jeff is not going to retire. Please no. don't ever retire. No, you know we you, we we need them, and they become like these scholars of the thing we're passionate about. Yeah. And yeah, mate, it's got to go like that for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, Can I
0: ask you a few questions from people from the internet that wrote in? Of course. Um, All right, we got a couple on here. And then I'll check my phone and see if any came in while we were talking. But we got a Cody Matthews 29 from Instagram said, was DJing at Wembley for the Euros a highlight of your career so far?
1: Oh, nice question from him. I I definitely say yeah. Like, come on, that's as a sports fan to have that opportunity. It's it's something some people have actually said. Do you ever think you'll do anything you enjoy more? And who who knows what the future holds? But yeah, one hundred percent a privilege to see everyone react like that. Was uh, I was very very privileged to be in that position.
0: That's, that's definitely great. Um, all right, and then DJ Step uh, from Chicago, dope DJ. I've played with him before. He wrote in on Twitter and asked. Um, how does he feel oh sorry um oh yeah how does he feel like DJing football soccer football differs from a club or a lounge mentality perspective in terms of approaching mixes and track selection also what's his favorite track of the tournament euros I mean I feel like we sort of covered oh, a lot of that but uh, if you have anything else yeah, to add g- to it
1: Yeah it's a good question it is definitely different because your goal is to get the fans sort of hyped up right. uh, I think that you pro- you prepare in a different way. I think the, the one thing that is interesting is that sometimes on the schedules for soccer games in particular, you've got really short windows. It's not yeah. like you have a five minute mix block. You might have 60 or 90 seconds. So my advice to anyone there is don't necessarily worry too much about doing your best like scratch or like juggle yeah. or whatever, because the fans don't care. I'll be really honest. They, they might like a little bit of scratching, but if you get them all pumped up and amped at a soccer game, that's what they're going to remember more than like your little wordplay or, or, or whatever is my vice is what i say in soccer.
0: I know. It's so true. It's even at like clubs a lot of the times. I mean, that that's what I tell people like, oh, this DJ is playing something cheesy. And I'm like, look at the crowd. Like if the crowd yeah. is going nuts, that's all anyone's going to remember is how they felt in that moment. The crowd, the p- people who run the club and all that stuff. And nothing against doing scratches. I'm going to go and do as much cool technical scratches and wordplay and everything as I can in there. And I'm going to do it for the DJs listening and for myself. Uh, um, But at the end of the day, yeah, it's how you're making people feel and the songs you're playing. And that's what will be remembered at the
1: end of it all. Totally agree. And like you say, if you could throw a little wordplay in there for the DJs to yeah. be like, Oh my God, he's actually a DJ then, then great. We, but that's also if you're, if you're warming up at a club, I, I, my, one of my first residencies was at the jazz cafe in Camden, which is like okay. a famous venue. Yeah. And I'd, pl- I'd play when it was empty. But during that time you could do a word play cause no one was dancing yet. They were grabbing a drink at the bar yeah. and you just got to learn when it's the correct time to do things. But like you say, that's experience over time as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's different. I mean, you know, I used to
0: love opening Sets or or doing sets where I would do the whole thing. I mean, I also very much appreciate having an opener and my life will is easier but but so many gigs I would do where I would just do the whole night. It was that Those first two hours were so much fun because people are just coming in, talking, and you're able to experiment and do so many things. Yeah. And, and then by the second hour, you feel so confident. It's also hard sometimes to jump on right at midnight and just be killing it right away and be in that energy. Like you said, sometimes you have to take a shot of vodka or something, which may yeah. not be the healthiest thing, but that's sometimes the only way to just blast you off into that feeling that everyone else already has
1: 100 100 not to encourage drinking but you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's fine either way we've got sober djs and not and the cool thing a lot of the sport that's the thing interviewing the sports djs has taught me a lot because i've been so much around festival and club djs that it's almost like everyone just you're supposed to Either get super fucked up, you know, and drink and be crazy or you're totally sober because you've been through all that. But a lot of the sports DJs are very um, disciplined and treat it like a job. And, you know, it's, it's a whole different thing. It's given me a
1: different view into that side of things and how professional it is. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 nice to have a bit of a bit of both. I, w- I wish I could have had a drink at some of the games, to be honest. But I did it. I did it. I did it. We'll save that for the club instead. I know, but
0: it's fun. Like you make it through. Like I did these four drive-in gigs for like um, HBO and and these different networks, and it's in the day. You know, it's in the evening. I can't have a drink, and it's the same kind of thing. And I thought the same thing, but I had so much fun, you know. And doing those gigs were fun too, because in a way. I didn't have to worry about people dancing. I was just like presenting something to them. You know, I was trying to get all the music from the show and give the feeling of it, but then give them the same feeling of a party, but, but they're not dancing and they're in their cars. And I mean, that's, Twitch taught me a lot about, talking to people in their cars <laughs> which is hilarious i never yeah. thought that would happen but after doing twitch for a while then getting booked for these drive-in gigs in la i'm like i'm ready for this i can sit and just say yeah. random things to people that i can't see right now this is a uh, i'm made for this the
1: personality is well, right? that's what you've got in abundance you need that x factor to be able to do all these diverse and amazing gigs love it it's amazing. yeah
0: yeah you gotta do that um man oh well you've told us so much i've learned a lot i'm sure the the audience has learned a lot um is there anything else
1: uh you that we forgot that you want to touch on no i think you've been i think you've been great it's been a privilege to be on as well and i definitely think that hopefully in terms of the sports stuff as well hopefully there's more opportunities i eventually want to be in a position where we can get some of my my friends involved i've already done that with a few people yeah and just yeah everyone just everyone just keep doing their thing there's so many djs who are probably i hope tuned in at some stage i want to say thanks to them for everything they do mention espinoza d james what's all these other people d nice jeff yourself like everyone just don't give up on what it is you're doing because you might not even hear from the person like myself who's been watching you but you're definitely having an impact and and just just don't give up on it is what i'd say
0: so true i think it's like You know, those are words of wisdom. And um, yeah, just keep doing your thing. You know, show up every time, no matter what it is, whether it's your stream or your gig or whatever it is. Put the work in if it's something you really care about, because you never know where it could lead, who's watching, who's listening, and what one opportunity could lead to the next. You know, it's all just a big staircase that has no ending. So, um yeah. yeah oh man it, w- it was incredible getting to talk to you and and actually getting to know you because we had never even spoken with our voices before it's all been text and yeah. seeing each other online so um yeah man you're-, you're such a positive dude and like just the work that you put into it I really appreciate so thank you for sharing your time and all your experiences with us and coming on the show
1: Likewise, the absolute privilege to speak with you and uh, excited to see what's coming up for you too. You're just a legend, man. Look up to you. So thank you so much.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah. You know, getting back into it over here, we'll see, we'll see the way COVID goes. I mean, uh, we're, we were talking earlier in the show. It's like the stuff is weird here <laughs> in America. We'll see where it goes. I hope that it balances out and we get to continue doing all these live shows and we don't have to go back inside. Um, I know you guys are about yeah. two weeks in at this point, but, um, Let's hope for the best. I think we're getting there as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on everyone, just get the vaccine and let's go. Go do our things, please. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, yo Tony Perry, thank you so much and uh I will see you in a stadium on Instagram or somewhere soon
1: one day in real life i hope we link yes up as well. for sure Actually, pleasure. we
0: have to man i feel like uh, we got a lot of stuff in common i feel like we'd have a great time we got to one day i will be out there maybe i can bring my son to a game you're djing or something like that yes. <laughs>
1: he'll be he'll be playing hopefully if i'm still around I in know, those days, man. he might be playing he he has all of it
0: put together he's so funny because he's like this will be the perfect he makes the playlist for his team like he's on a team and he makes the playlist for them to get pumped up or at this place where he goes. And it's so funny because the place when we were leaving where he plays this futsal, the inside soccer, and they have this huge system and they have DJs there. And I've seen them have like Mad Decent and Diplo and all these people do these events at this place. And they were like, this is the greatest playlist. Can we play this all the time? I'm like, yeah, my son made it. (laughs) So I told him, I'm like, there you go. That was your first job. I'm like, they should give you free (laughs) lessons or something though, but... (laughs) We're getting there. We're getting it's there. He's rubbing off them him
1: already. Yeah.
0: I'll send you his playlist. Maybe it'll help give you some ideas. <laughs> Definitely. Why not? Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. And uh, I'll see you soon.
1: Thank you so much, bro. Pleasure.
0: All right. Thank you, Tony Perry, for coming on the 20 podcast. That is it for this week. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. The 20 podcast is produced by BeatSource. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. I'm DJ Spider signing off. Peace.
1: And that was The 20 with DJ Spider.